0: everyone welcome back to another episode of allentown presents we are in our march spotlight which is musicals and we watched otis's second and third favorite musicals yeah we're trying to get through the ones otis likes the most first before i put him through the torture of watching all the ones that he doesn't really give a shit about (laughs) so we watched blues brothers and the Blues Brothers 2000. This is gonna be a combined episode of both of those movies. We'll run down each one separately um, for fun facts and synopsis of the movie. And then at the end, when we're talking about what we liked about them, we'll kind of pile it all together um, because they do kind of run in. One is a sequel to, or Blues Brothers 2000 is a sequel to Blues Brothers. So yeah, we'll kind of it'll run together at that point. Okay, so the Blues Brothers originally or the original Blues Brothers, is from 1980. It started out as a skit on Saturday Night Live that Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi used to do all the time, and it got enough laughs that they just were like, fuck it, let's make a movie. So, they made this movie. Uh, Dan Aykroyd wrote a script that was like a million pages long, and was just like this free-flowing thing of just non-stop jokes and hilarity, and they whittled it down to what they ended up with and it ended up being 2 hours and 13 minutes of pure comedy fucking gold.
1: Yeah. I will <laughs> say it's it's kind of long, but it's good. It is
0: kind of long, but you don't really notice it because of all the music that's in it. Yeah. Um this is not your traditional musical. It was not written as a musical like the songs that are in this movie were not written for this movie or to move the plot along necessarily. It was it's a jukebox musical where they took a lot of already popular songs and fit them in to work in this movie. Like they threw in an Aretha Franklin song and they threw in a Ray Charles song and they made it work for what was happening in the film, yeah. but it didn't they didn't write anything new. Well, they did, but only for the parts that the blues brothers are actually singing which is like only a couple of songs actually so most of this is like other people singing throughout the film like all the different people that they meet which is really cool so story of this film or plot of this film i guess john belushi's character jake blues gets out of jail and his brother elwood picks him up and they go and see what do they call her the penguin yeah they go see the penguin, which was the nun who re- helped raise them, who was basically their mom figure at the orphanage. And she tells them that the church is fallen on hard times and the orphanage is going to be shut down because they owe all this money in taxes. And they need to turn in $5,000 to the what Illinois State Authority or whoever, yeah. Illinois Tax Board, by... But they had like ten days, eleven. Yeah, it was they had 10 eleven days. days, something like that. Ten days to get gather five thousand um, dollars to pay off these back taxes. So they come up with a plan uh, to get the band back together, and a majority of the movie were like the first. Uh, let's break it into thirds. So the first third is them figuring out that they need to get the band back together. Basically, the middle. Uh, third, the second chunk, is them actually getting the band back together. Going to all the different people and figuring out like getting the band back together. And the final third is once the band's back together, trying to make enough money to pay off this stuff. (laughs) And all the hilarity that ensues. So basically, they don't give a fuck for any regard to traffic laws, and they get in all sorts of trouble all over the state of Illinois. And cause all sorts of havoc but eventually do raise the money and end up paying the tax board people like right in time and saving the orphanage yeah
1: they make enemies of nazis um cops everywhere so many cops all of the cops the military cops, comes National in Guard, yeah.
0: like everyone
1: yeah everyone hates them <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, so they break all the laws to make sure that this happens um, and eventually get put in jail. Like, after they turn in the money, they go back to jail. And when they go back to jail, that's this is how it actually ties into Blues Brothers 2000. So they go to jail at the end of the first movie, and then 18 years later is the start of Blues Brothers 2000, and it's... Uh, Elwood getting out of jail. Like, that's the very beginning yeah. of the other movie. So, so, Jake
1: got out early, probably good behavior, which I don't understand how he got out early for good behavior. He's a terrible person. I
0: don't think he got out.
1: He had to, because nope. he didn't know that his... No, he had different, to get out. Different jail. Oh, you think they separated him? Yeah. Well, the other guys got out before him.
0: Yeah, because the other ones didn't commit... have Didn't have, like, 700 fucking vehicle charges on them. True. The band members... The only things that the band members committed was uh being with them basically like they weren't supposed to be doing they didn't really do any bad things the blues brothers are the ones who fucked everything up
1: that's true i just assumed that he got up early because he was waiting on his ride from him and then he wasn't yeah. there just like at the beginning of the first movie he was jake was well, yeah, waiting on that way to pick him up I, th-
0: I think it was because sorry we'll get to that when we get to the next movie sorry Let's not talk about that right now. <laughs>
1: you it up. I know,
0: I know, I know. We'll we'll bring it up later.
1: What? No, no, keep going.
0: Okay, so yeah, so that's how the movie ends. They end back up, end up back in jail, and then the end of the movie, and then the credits roll, and it's like every famous person from the year 1980 is in this goddamn film. The credits show each individual person and like the cool shit that they do in the movie, or what the song that they sang, or whatever from their scene and it's the list is forever long it had like ray charles and aretha franklin and uh john candy and just like it goes on for days steven
1: spielberg he was the uh, it was the assessor the cook county assessor that's what he had to get the money to
0: and frank oz was in it and just like tons and tons of people so ties to little shop which we just did like it just goes on forever (laughs) There's so many people that were just all over the place in the same stuff. Alright, do you have anything to add about the plot? Or the general idea of this film?
1: Um, well, before I get
0: into some fun facts?
1: Uh, it, it just... Even at the beginning of the movie, uh, they, they make it sound like every time they get together and st- restart the band, that they've already done bad things. It's just, for some reason, they're very unlucky. <laughs> mm-hmm. And even though... Uh, they're on a mission from God because Jake gets this like, like godly, the holy spirit. Yeah, godly epiphany in in uh, church with Brother Cleophas, with James Brown. Uh, even though they're doing God's work, they're still breaking things and exploding stuff and flipping in cars. And God's like, eh, you know, they you gotta do bad stuff to get there. Um, they're still doing the right thing. They're trying to, you know, get the. Orphanage, enough money. Uh, it's great. This is an amazing movie. Uh, yeah. Music's awesome. It's just really cool to see musicians like young actual musicians, yeah, young musicians and singers and stuff. Everything just doing what they do best. Like seeing Ray Charles own a like a music shop, being blind as hell, but like they make it seem like he can see. Pulls out a gun because of kids trying to steal a guitar. And he's like, it's so sad. Kids acting like that. Like him just acting like he's normal. It's, it's amazing. And it's so cool. They got all these cameos in the movie. It's really fucking cool.
0: That's actually one of my favorite things about this film is being able to see musicians actually playing because you don't often get to see that in movies. It's always like one of my biggest pet peeves, which I've brought up several times in other Podcasts that we've done is when they put musicians in a movie, when they put them in the movie, they never tell the person who's holding the instrument how to properly hold it. Oh, yeah. Or how to move their fingers so it kind of looks like they're playing. If the movie is specifically about that instrument, like, you know, in Ray, the movie Ray, or like La La Land, where the piano was a major plot line, like the person being able to play the piano was a major part of the movie... Then they actually give a shit and they make it like they do the best they can to make it look accurate or to make it be accurate. But like if you just have like a mariachi band in the background, like right behind the main character, they fucking around. Like who even knows what they're doing with their instruments? Yeah. Like people just waving around trumpets, like they don't know what the fuck they're doing, and that I hate when that fucking happens. But in this movie, all of the people who are playing instruments actually know what the fuck they're doing oh and you can tell so that's i love it yeah i love it
1: thanks for bringing that up so the band the blues brothers band uh all the instrumental people uh a ton of them went to school in texas uh actually north texas uh unt where some of the best jazz players like in the world have gone frequented have been there to do some type of master class they usually come from unt so my band director was a percussionist, and he went to UNT, and he told me because I was watching, we were watching that movie in band class because it was like you know really close to the end of the school year, and he's like, hey, it's it's Tom Malone, like the trombone player that plays saxophone too, and he's like, yeah, I went to school with him and uh, uh, Blue Lou Blue Lou Marini, the other saxophone player, uh, he remembered going to school with them and. Playing with those guys in like the one o'clock band and the two o'clock, the highest bands, like you had to be ridiculous. And um, I actually remember looking it up. So uh, Tom Bones Malone played in the one o'clock, and he actually led the three o'clock band. So he was good enough to play in the top one and actually be the the person that was in charge of another one. He was the director of another one.
0: That doesn't really, that doesn't really shock me but that's jazz ridiculous people, jazz people typically do shit like that like i know the best jazz guy gets to do, be in charge of another yeah. jazz song, and then he would it's write like rad ass yeah
1: and he would write music and he was amazing at trombone and saxophone so Which some songs insane. he would switch insane
0: yeah. that is those are two things for those of you who are not musicians that's fucking insane
1: yeah so um it's it's really cool i, I like i love that i have that connection to it that i know somebody that actually knows those guys and um, one of the albums, they you know records albums. Uh, one of the records of Unt I got, they're on it. They're in there with my band director, all with their long hair and porn stashes. Like, geez, look at 70s. us. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, that's fucking cool. They, that is you fucking knew the cool. Blues Brothers. Guys. Yeah,
0: you're only one degree away from right <laughs> fucking the Blues Brothers. Like, you're yeah, right there. But I always thought that was really cool. That so is really cool. I
1: really like this movie. But yeah, that's
0: awesome. Okay. So yes, that's a thing that I love about this movie is that the musicians are actually being musicians and playing their instruments, not just like holding some shit and wiggling it around because they're supposed to, quote unquote, dance.
1: Ooh, Bullshit. you want me to bring up the lip syncing issues now this, or later?
0: I think I have the. I think I have it written okay.
1: down. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. Okay, so now here's a whole bunch of fun facts about this film because the fun facts were endless because this film had a million people in it. All right. Carrie Fisher became engaged to Dan Aykroyd during this shoot shortly after he saved her from choking by applying the Heimlich Maneuver. (laughs) Uh, Some performers were not used to lip syncing uh, to pre-recorded songs. Standard procedure for movie musicals. James Brown ended up singing his number live with a recorded backing. The rest of his choir was lip syncing. Uh, John Lee Hooker's performance of Boom Boom was recorded at the Chicago Maxwell Street Market. And Aretha Franklin's performance is cut together from many, many, many takes using the different parts where the lip syncing was actually in sync with the recording because... Aretha Franklin at that point in 1980 did not lip sync. Like that was not a thing that she did.
1: Yeah. I bet that was really weird for her to do. Oh
0: yeah. She's she's a fucking powerhouse. Like why would you why would you ask a powerhouse like that it's to just
1: lip sync? It's just easier.
0: It I for, for the, for the it's time easier. for the time I understand that. But I so if this movie was made now, like yeah. if they or if they had had the technology that they have now and gone back and done it you know, in 1980, when all these people were still alive. I think that this movie should have been done like, um, at least partly, like they did Les Mis. So they shot each musical number in Les Mis as one long flowing shot and did the singing live. So they did, they had to do a bunch of takes, like a bunch of different takes to get it completely right in one take or in one shot, but they didn't like it wasn't spliced together a bunch of different things like they were singing and that's what's on the cast album like that's whatever's happening is what happened so that's what they should do for that's what they should have done for this film because of the type of music that it was and the performers that they had
1: yeah they probably just thought it would be a lot easier to like because uh with john landis john landis is like well yeah we when we have singing parts we just splice it real quick. Yeah. You just mouth it and you're good, and we can move on. They're like mouth it. I'm like, I'll just yeah. sing it. They're like, it's a lot more shit we have to worry about if you sing it because people's footsteps. We like you have to have the right shoes, so it's like yeah. echoing stomps and shit. They're like, there's a lot more we have to worry about. It was like, well, that's well, all see, I. Can, you know.
0: What I think is weird is why don't they just record it?
1: I don't. I don't even know. I just think it was a speed thing. Yeah,
0: I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that happened. Um, the Bluesmobile drove under the elevated train line at 118 miles an hour. That
1: bitch was booking. Yeah.
0: The film crew got permission to clear the street for two 100-plus mile-an-hour patch uh, passes. Stunt pedestrians were added after the first pass to add realism, because they did it the first time without anybody around, and it looked fake as fuck, like they were just faking how fast it was yeah, going. when
1: you don't have anything to relate yeah. it to. Going fast means nothing. Yes. But if you have a like, tree go by like, you know, you're yeah. like, "Oh shit, you're going That's fast. why I
0: used to get tickets. Fucking <laughs> like, when I was younger, I would get tickets because between here and my hometown, there is nothing. It's just fucking fields. And when I would drive like to and from there to get like from back from school like in for the weekend or whatever, I'd go hella late at night, so it was fucking nothing out there, and it's just pitch black. So I'm just driving like 85, 90, like not paying attention to how fast I'm going. And I get fucking tickets because there's like a one cop, nothing for fucking miles, and then one cop is like, <laughs> How dare you? I'm like, There's no one out here. I have no fucking frame of reference for how fast I'm yeah. going. Like,
1: it's scary how fast you can go if there's nothing else around to like really yeah. base how fast you're going
0: you know i catch myself sometimes in the morning when i'm going to work if i have to go to work a little early like if i'm on the road if i'm on the 168 around like 6 a.m rather than like closer to 6:30. if i'm on the road at 6 a.m there's no one out there i'll catch myself like mm, going a little too fast i need yeah. to slow the fuck down that shit's crazy <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, According to Dan Aykroyd, cocaine was included in the film's budget to help the cast and crew stay awake during night shoots. According to Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi enjoyed it the most, of course, and felt that it enhanced his performance, which is sad.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Before the falling pinto scene could be filmed, the filmmakers had to get an unworthiness certificate from the Federal Aviation Administration for the car. This was done by conducting preliminary drop tests to ensure that it would drop like a brick when dropped from a great height. Um, According to John Landis, John Belushi sprained his back falling down the stairs in the desk from the Penguin's office. It was a nasty fall. It was really bad. It looked horrific. I turned to Otis and said, holy shit, Yeah, you're like in a
1: seated position going down some fucking stairs. I'm like, oh, that can't be good for you.
0: Well, it wasn't. He was in a back brace and on painkillers for the entire rest of filming. Yeah. So, painkillers and cocaine. So, What a cocktail. Okay. Singer and guitarist Joe Walsh can be seen during the Jailhouse Rock sequence at the end. He still had long hair and a long mustache at the time and is the first prisoner to jump up on a table and start dancing. Uh, Dan Aykroyd's script was originally titled The Return of the Blues Brothers and was 324 pages long. It was intended to be a two-part film, but John Landis spent three weeks paring the script down so they could make just one film.
1: That's a shame. I wish they could have did a second one while John was alive. Yeah. And they could have just cracked out two.
0: Yeah. It, that would have been fucking cool if they would just would have done the two episodes. All right. Okay. Appearances are made by Frank Oz, Paul Rubens, Steven Spielberg, John Candy, Like I already said, Aretha Franklin, Ray Charles, it had fucking everybody in this bitch. James Brown, Cab Calloway, like yeah, everyone is in this film. Everybody. Yeah. All right. Uh, While at the phone booth, Elwood asks Jake, "asks Jake, who you gonna call?" This same (laughs) line became the tagline for Ghostbusters in 1984, which Dan Aykroyd wrote and starred. Furthermore. The part of Peter Vinkman was initially written with John Belushi in mind, oh. though due to John Belushi's untimely death, it went to Bill Murray instead.
1: It's still it it was a good switch, but oh man, that'd have been really good with him. Oh. Yeah, yeah.
0: I was sad when I read that. I was like, oh, my heart. All right. The line "They broke my watch" occurs three times in the film. Each time is spoken or voiced over by a policeman on the losing end of a car chase with the Blues Brothers. The first line is in the shopping mall, the second line is in the rollover ditch, and the third line is in a pile-up under the elevated train line. The broken watch theme starts when Jake's broken watch is returned to him when he is released from prison at the very beginning of the film.
1: What a soiled prophylactic.
0: Yeah. Gross. Uh, Dan Aykroyd's original script was so long that as a joke accurate had it bound in the covers of the los angeles yellow
1: pages
0: (laughs) that's fucking ridiculous right right before shooting the final scene which required him to do all sorts of onstage acrobatics while performing at the hollywood palladium in front of an audience of hundreds of extras john belushi tried out some kid's skateboard and fell off and seriously injured his knees Lou Wasserman, the head of Universal Pictures, called the top orthopedist in Los Angeles and made him postpone his weekend until he could shoot Belushi up with enough anesthetics to get him through filming.
1: Jeez.
0: So, painkillers for his back injury and anesthetics for his knee injury. And
1: cocaine Plus to an keep absurd him
0: awake. amount of cocaine to keep him awake. The cocaine's. <laughs> like... John Belushi had a fucking time making this film. Yeah. All right. The interior for the Blues Brothers concert was the Hollywood Palladium. Audience members were recruited through radio station promotions. The exterior was Chicago's South Shore Country Club, located at 7059 South Shore Drive, which was later purchased by the city and reopened as the South Shore Cultural Center. When the Bluesmobile crashes through the, the window of the record store, a cardboard cutout of Robin Williams is visible, promoting his new album, Reality. What a concept. Robin Williams was the last famous actor John Belushi talked to on March 5th, 1982, the night of his fatal overdose. Mm-hmm. That was really sad. The production used six Ford Pintos, four of which were wrecked, and 12 specially outfitted Bluesmobiles. Before the pinto could be dropped 1,400 feet in downtown Chicago, they had to get the FAA's uh, permission, um, and the FAA had them drop two pintos. So they had to drop one to test to make sure that it would drop right, and then a second one to f- actually film it, <laughs> which is horrific. <laughs> um, Ralph Footy, or Footy, Footy? No, oh, Footy. Ralph Footy, the police dispatcher was also in the fake black-and-white gangster movie Angels with Filthy Souls from Home Alone. Oh, cool. Which is one of my favorite things in existence. <laughs> and finally, this movie was released on the same day as Star Wars Episode Five, The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, wow. Also starring Carrie Fisher. <laughs> That's a lot of fun facts. This film has a ton of people in it, so it makes sense. <laughs> Alright, for, do you want to do favorite characters and all that for this film specifically? Okay, so who is your favorite character in Blues Brothers Original?
1: It sucks. Uh, Like I said, with all the movies, you know, every time I watch it, something changes and other people kind of pop up and they look cooler. This time watching it, I'm going to go with Curtis. I'm going to go with their... (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. It's fine. I'm going to go with their father figure, Cab Calloway. Um, really cool. So really sweet old man. He is so good. That taught them to sing and play instruments. And he's just a cutie pie. He tells all the other orphans, kids in the orphanage that, you know, we have to help Jake and Elwood, you know. It, they lived here.
0: They're going to help us, so we need to help them.
1: Yeah, i told talking about, put the word to the street. <laughs> he's like, yeah, you got to get your lazy butts up too and help. And the kids are all... Telling everybody about the show. It's really cool. And then he has, like, one of the coolest scenes of the movie where, at the show, Jake and Elwood aren't there yet. And so yeah. he's like, do you guys know Minnie the Moocher? He's like, yeah, we know it. Best like,
0: fucking version. Oh, my God. I love it's that awesome. scene.
1: And it's kind of a musical moment because they start the song and their outfits turn into, like, a legit jazz band. And they get the all, jazz stamps yeah, and everything. Everything's oh, all sweet so and swanky. Good. And they sing Minnie the Moocher. And it's, like the iconic version and in a lot of like shows and like uh sports events they'll play Minnie and the Moocher. they'll play scenes from Blue's Brothers when mm-hmm. he's doing the Heidi hidey Ho the call and response they they do spots from that movie because it's the best version of him singing it I love
0: it. this that part in the that song I love that song and I love that scene and I my favorite part is when that song that when it speeds up at the end yeah Oh my god, it's so fucking
1: good. <laughs> it's like, a great If song. that song
0: doesn't hype you up, who the fuck are you? Yeah. <laughs> like, Cab Calloway just kills it. But yeah,
1: I'm going to go with Curtis. Curtis was, was that was my dude.
0: Oh, he was great. Um, I was going to say Curtis, but Otis beat me to it. So I think I'm going to have to go with... Oh, it's so hard. Aretha Franklin. <laughs> Because she is the most realistic fucking person in this whole movie. Everyone else is just fucking outrageous and over-the-top and crazy. I mean, the band's kind of calm in the background, but <laughs> none of them had enough, like, lines or anything to be, like, to stick out. But Aretha Franklin was straight up like, Bitch, you better not. Like, last time you went out with your buds... You got you, you were in fucking jail, and guess what's gonna happen again? Yeah, like we running a business. You need to stay here. She had her head on her shoulders, and she was like, "Bitch, nope.
1: no." She's like, "No, you're not gonna have your two fried chickens and yeah. your two uh, and your
0: plain white toast, your dry white toast." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love Aretha Franklin's character. Mm, it ass.
1: Yeah, she yeah. was just. She was great.
0: <laughs> she was the most realistic person in this film. Uh, she wasn't insanely over the top in any way and i really liked her character um even though she's not a really a main character in this film she's only in it for one scene but i really liked her character
1: okay what i'll do since you were gonna say curtis and we both agreed on that i'll bring up like my second okay favorite um honestly uh getting to see jake like it it sucks that he only did one of these movies
0: interesting
1: Jake, because he, he, he's so chaotic and, and just dumb. And I love that Carrie Fisher's just chasing him the whole time to try to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end, he's like, I'm sorry. My watch broke. My car had a flat. The car broke. He's like, I tried to get a taxi. I lost my money.
0: Just don't kill me. Yeah. <laughs> please, please, please don't kill then he me. Then
1: kisses her. He's like, okay, let's go. <laughs> he, he's just a piece of crap, but... Um, I don't know. It was really cool. And, and when they go to the country bar, when they're singing Rawhide, and he's just sitting there like mad, mm-hmm. and he just finds that whip, and he's like, oh. yeah. And he's just, it's just, he, he's the silly guy in the group, you know, and, yeah. and, and Elwood's like the straight guy the whole time, but he says silly and does silly things too. Yeah. But I, I really like Jake watching it this time. Yeah. He's a mess.
0: I don't like Jake so much because of some of the stuff that he says just the way that he I don't know I'm, I don't know he's not my favorite I actually prefer Elwood of the two of them oh yeah um, Elwood's amazing I really like Elwood and all the stuff that he does like he's like no we gotta do this he tryn- he tries to keep Jake on the like he's the responsible straight and narrow. one he, well he's the more responsible one I wouldn't say that either one of them are really <laughs> responsible
1: But he's the better driver
0: oh yeah he's a fucking great driver
1: <laughs> making cars flip and fly and shit
0: yeah uh <laughs> But, yeah, I really like him, for sure, of the two of them. she's good. But I will say, in watching this recently, if you haven't watched this movie in a long time, go back and watch it, especially if you are a fan of Chris Farley. Pay attention to John Belushi, and you will see every, like, you will very clearly see where Chris Farley got it all. Oh,
1: definitely.
0: Like, I was watching this, and the whole time I was thinking, like, Damn. That could have been Chris Farley. Like and if Chris Farley had made it to the year 2000 or the year 1998, he would have been in Blue's Brothers 2000. Oh, definitely. 100% he would have been in it. Like John Goodman's great, but it would have been Chris Farley.
1: Oh. Damn it. I need a what if machine. I need to see that world. Yeah. Or Chris Farley's in the Blues Brothers. Group. Could you
0: imagine Blue's Brothers 2000? Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, Chris Farley. And fucking little kid or whoever, like
1: <laughs> that'd have been really cool.
0: Oh, that would have been so good. Oh man. Okay. So what's your favorite song?
1: This is very tough. Um <laughs> just about every yeah, it's a jukebox musical. Yeah, so. just about every song has some type of good memory for me. Um like the first one of the the movie when Jake gets out, uh, she caught the Katie i don't know who sings it uh it's one of their songs that they are yeah. kind of known for but i know someone else made it mm-hmm. actually it might be taj mahal but um it's amazing and it's like that's the credits is like just shows their face it's like boom 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 and then just them sitting there and they get in the car but if i had to pick just one actually you should go first
0: what? I'm gonna pick Minnie the Moocher. Okay, I... that,
1: thank you. That's why I was gonna say you should go first. I was gonna pick that fucking song. Well, I could have
0: picked another one.
1: I, I no, like um, actually, I like the um, right after because that was the the pre-show, like the main event. Oh of yeah, it. they're in.
0: You like their in song?
1: Yeah, every everybody needs somebody to love, and then um, yeah, uh, everybody
0: needs somebody. And then um
1: um, Sweet Home Chicago. I like that song too, but then like. The beginning, I can't turn you loose, or can't turn you yeah. loose when you loose. when Cab sees them in the crowd and he's like, okay, and then he does his intro for him, and then yeah. he does that like that front flip and lands. Ba, 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 yeah. He's like one, two, three, four. Yeah.
0: Okay, so my second favorite song, since Minnie of the Muthers* is clearly my favorite, yeah, is the one that really makes this movie a musical to like, turns it into a musical from just being a movie that has music in it is uh, shake a tail feather because it's the only one that has an exaggerated large dance scene like this is the dance that movie is the dance, or that song is the dance break oh i lied it's the first one that has the big dance break there is another one later um with reverend Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: leophis
0: cleophis
1: well that was at the beginning
0: is that at the beginning
1: yeah because he gets his epiphany there
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. In the okay. second
1: one, Cleophas is at the end. Okay,
0: so there's... Yeah, you're right. I'm mixing up the two movies. So, <laughs> So the first big dance scene is in the church. Mm-hmm. The They're, like, at this Baptist revival or whatever, and uh, Reverend Cleophas is singing his song, and everyone in the church is feeling the spirit. People are jumping up on trampolines, doing flips and shit, like...
1: <laughs> just flying in just the sky. Just flying
0: in the air, you know, catching the spirit, and... That scene is great. And then, so that's the first dance scene. And then there's another one later with Ray Charles um, where he does shake a tail feather. And it takes place simultaneously in his music shop and out on the street in front of his music shop, which is really cool, like the way that it's shot. So it goes back and forth between the two. And it's like all of the Blues Brothers band joining in with Ray Charles doing shake a tail yeah, feather they all fucking, pick up an instrument they all start pick up an instruments and just started jamming with him which is fucking cool and would be awesome and amazing to yeah. do Ugh. and then i don't know if there's like speakers outside or whatever pumping it out into the streets but the entire street in front of his building like 300 fucking extras just out here dancing all over the place <laughs> they got little kids dancing and all sorts of stuff and it's really really cool and i really that's like that's always that the scene. thing
1: about musicals i never got when people just start dancing i'm like is this just in their head?
0: Everybody can hear it.
1: It, you know what I mean. <laughs> I always think of it like if they hear a song, you're like, "That's pretty nice." The second you say, "That's a pretty nice song," and you think about the song, you're, you're dancing in their world. Well,
0: that's what. That's the cool thing about musicals, is watching or trying to find musicals that have very clear music in them, like that everyone can hear. So, okay, like, let's say. Enchanted, okay, Disney movie musical. Um, the first song, or first few songs, is just Giselle or Amy Adams singing to animals and whatever. And it's just her a cappella. There's music that we hear as an audience in the background, but no, no one else is hearing it. Mm, like, it's okay. not a thing that, well, we can assume that not everyone is hearing it because it's music that we're seeing. But later, she sings a song in the park called. Uh, how does she know? And she starts singing it back and forth with a, um, a steel drummer. And he starts playing. And then all these other musicians that are in the park, like as she's walking and passing them, join in. And eventually, there's tons of people singing and tons of people, tons of actual musicians playing. So sometimes nobody around you can hear what the fuck <laughs> is happening. And you're just singing a cappella, yeah. And other times, everyone can hear in, specific, in that musical specifically. It's really weird. Musicals are uh, weird. We're just going to, you just have to like suspend belief and yeah. assume that everyone can hear what the audience is hearing, like the same music yeah. that the audience is with hearing. With some
1: of these, like when Ray, because they ask him, like, well, I don't know if the piano has any action left in it. It's kind of mm-hmm. worn out.
0: Like, bitch action. And
1: he's like, well, check this out. I like to think that they didn't play with him. He just sang the song real quick and just played a little bit. And he's like, see, it still works. And that was it. That the rest of the band didn't pick up instruments and play. They just listened to him. But in his head, they played with him and it was a legit song and people were dancing.
0: I would have never thought about that because in my mind, and I'm sure every other musician's mind that I know, if fucking like Wynton Marsalis sat down and just started playing, like oh, that doesn't work this way. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, check it out. Guaranteed a jam session would break out right there. Like, 100%. Like, it wouldn't just be like, like, because they were friends with him. Okay, like, I mean, I wouldn't. If Wynton Marsalis sat down right here and started playing, like, I would just sit in awe and just freak out a little bit because I'm not friends with Wynton Marsalis. But if I was friends with him, like, they were friends with Ray Charles, supposedly, in the movie, like... A jam session would have broke. That is true. Out. Like <laughs> so,
1: maybe maybe they did jump in in his yeah. world, but then people outside they weren't dancing. They were just I don't know. Maybe, that was just for us.
0: Yeah, I don't know what, what the people <laughs> outside were dancing. Yeah, but I liked it a lot. So well, just
1: like in Aretha Franklin's Franklin song, the the cook didn't hop on the counter and play a saxophone. I don't think. I think he did. Yeah, it's so weird. The rules in this movie don't make. I think no he sense. did. Okay, but
0: okay, only because. Like everyone in this film is a musician, I feel like at any given moment they could, True. like, just bust out their instruments, and that would be a normal thing for them. I don't know. They're not in. They're not in the regular world. They're living in this weird, like, music mecca almost. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> this little music bubble that they can't like get out of. Okay. Um. I said my favorite song. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah. Okay. Um. Least favorite character.
1: God damn it. Um. Good luck. <sighs> See, we think a little differently about, like, good guys and and bad guys. Like, you'll pick a bad guy for, like, your least favorite because they're the bad guy. But I'm like, no, I appreciate this bad guy. He did a good job. Um, fuck. Who in this... Oh, uh, I'd like Bob.
0: Damn it. I I don't typically pick characters or people because they're bad guys. I pick them because I don't like the way that their character is set up. Like, I don't, like... Characters who are sexist and all of that, or just general assholes with, for no goddamn reason, I pick those characters, because why? Um, probably, I don't
1: like people like that. I'll probably just go with the cops. The first two that meet them, it, but they're just doing their job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're like my least favorite, because just about everybody that pops up in the movie and deals with the Blues Brothers, they, they're cute I mean, and Nazis? happy. They're funny. They were in a pen he's like I've always loved you. <laughs> just they, they said fall funny from stuff. Yeah. It yeah, was just silly. Just like in the second one, Daryl Hammond. He's just he's there to fall and explode. Yeah. Usually Nazis in these movies just explode. That's their that's their job. Yeah. So I'll probably go with just the police.
0: Yeah. I mean that's fair. It was a lot. The police
1: They got real extra at the end.
0: They did. Like it was not <laughs> that serious. It was two dudes with some traffic violations. Like chill. They didn't, well, they didn't kill anybody. and They didn't steal anything. Like they just—they
1: just made people look like fools driving.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and apparently they assumed that they were doing something to make all these cops crash and shit. So they were like, "No, approach with extreme caution because a hundred cop cars have like crashed since yeah. we've dealt with them. Like, no, they're terrible people. Yeah. So yeah, I'll just go with cops.
0: I'm gonna go with. Piano player?
1: Oh, um...
0: The guy who worked at the restaurant. Who worked at the, like, fancy... No,
1: that was the trumpet player. He worked at the restaurant. Oh,
0: then the trumpet player.
1: Mr. Fabulous.
0: Mr. Fabulous. I don't like... I didn't like him. Well, he's he's like the
1: grumpy one in the group.
0: He is, which is not (laughs) normal for a trumpet player. Yeah. That's, like, the opposite of most trumpet players that I know.
1: That's odd. His attitude was, like, he's just been done with them for forever but he has a great time with them when
0: was the last time you met a trumpet player who wasn't the one that was getting into some shit
1: that's true
0: trumpet players are the like we are the ones getting into shit like we're not the ones that are like nah that doesn't look right i'm not gonna do that (laughs) like i mean the female ones are like i didn't really get into any shit but every male trumpet player i knew was like I'm going to get fucking um, drunk and do some stupid shit right now.
1: Well, they didn't even have to go in. Well, he didn't have to go in because the Blues Brothers were the ones just blowing shit up. So. Yes,
0: but the fact that he was the one in the band who was like reserved and like, no, I'm good. I don't want to do this anymore. or I don't want to be a part of this. <laughs> like, bullshit. Trumpet players are fucking insane. Like
1: True. I'll he, do he, some
0: dumb shit forever. He was, he was
1: like a unicorn out of trumpet players. Yeah. I will say he was very different. Yeah. But they needed somebody in that band that wasn't just like, okay. Because everybody else was like, sure. Like, they, man, don't, don't talk yeah. so loud. My old lady's over there. Like, she. yeah, yeah. yeah. She's she going to get pissed.
0: Yeah, but I'm going to go with the trumpet player. Only because it was it's an unrealistic portrayal of a trumpet player. And he was grumpy. Yeah, he
1: was grumpy the whole time. He was grumpy time. as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, he went you with know, him because he was fun. But he was like, man, this is some shit. Yeah. Like, they're getting us in some more shit. We're going to get arrested at the end of this fucking night. Yeah. And they did. So scene he was...
0: stealer in the scene where they go get him from the restaurant. Fucking Paul Rubens. Yeah. Pee Wee Herman crushing it out here. Uh, Pre Pee Wee Herman.
1: Right. <laughs> it was pretty good. Trying to get him some money.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was pretty awesome. All right. Uh, what was that? Least favorite character? Least favorite song?
1: Damn it. That sucks. Um, yeah. Do you
0: have a... Is there a least favorite song? If there's not, that's okay. There doesn't have to be one.
1: I don't think I have one. I enjoy every song for a reason. Like I love "Stand By Your Man," but that's probably like my. Stand by your man. But watching it this last time, I was like, "Damn, that's a good song!" And just that one, that one country dude in the crowd that didn't have anybody. He was like so looking at his beard. He like he took <laughs> takes a big swig of his beard. He's he's so like, sad. Just frown on his face. I'm
0: like so sad that he's I, alone. Love Forever that whole situation. Alone.
1: When they go to Bob's Country Bunker, that's like a really fun scene. Because of the yeah. chicken wire. They're like, why is there chicken wire up? And they're like, oh, when they're mad, they throw beers at you. And when they're happy, they throw beers at you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think I have a least favorite song. I like just about every... I like every song for a reason.
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: But if I, I had to... I, I, I don't, don't think I can there, pick I don't one. think there is one. Yeah.
0: I mean boom boom i guess would be my least favorite
1: i guess because that was a passing thing and it wasn't wasn't, really the band it wasn't a
0: huge like moment in the film and it's not even it's not my least well it's my least favorite only because it wasn't a big part of the film like it was just like a quick
1: well just like i said with uh little shop it's like if every song's a 10 this one's like a 9.8 yeah
0: exactly yeah it's just a
1: little bit less that's that's Less probably, perfect.
0: probably the the least perfect song in this yeah. film, and it's not even that it's, not it's not a great, it is a great song. It's just doesn't do much for the plot. Yes, yeah. for the it's rest just, of the movie, it's, it's like just the there. least memorable song in this film. Yeah, they're just there. Yeah, okay, memories.
1: Uh, from this movie, uh, <laughs> truth be told, I actually watched the second one first. And then got into the original one. Um, cause this movie, any movie that's like around like my like goddamn age, it some of them it took me longer to get into. Um Just like Animal House, like it took forever for me to actually watch Animal House, and probably for the best, cause there was a little bit of boobies in it. My mom probably would have been like, "Oh, what the hell is this?" Animal
0: House is a lot. Animal yeah. House makes sense that you it would. T-
1: Have been um, when you were older. But but I think that's why I have a little bit of a affinity for Blues Brothers two thousand because I watched it first. I love the first one. Don't get it twisted. First one's just about perfect. But uh, like a lot of people don't like the second one and I'm like, Second one's great. I like it, it's cute. But uh yeah, I had a lot of memories of the second one, but when I finally watched the first one, I was like, This is fucking amazing. And I watched it a lot, but it was later on in my life. Um Maybe a teenager, because I'd have been, because the second one came out in 98, so I'd have been, what? 11. Probably around 15 or something. I got into the first one and Uh watched it, so, like, I knew all the songs and stuff when I was, like, in jazz band, and that's when I learned that my band director, like, played with him. I was like, what the hell, those dudes in that movie, you know? he's like, yeah. I'm like, so yeah, a little bit later, but no, it it was great, even from the beginning.
0: Yeah. When, So, I watched this film. My parents loved this film growing up. So, I started watching this film at a very young age. Probably around the same time that I started watching Star Wars, also starring Carrie Fisher. So, I don't know. I was probably like three or four because my parents didn't care about ratings. Like, that wasn't a big deal to them. Um, and I remember loving this film because of the fun music. Um, and, like, the stupid car wrecks. Like, I was really big, um, into, like, matchbox cars. Like, as a kid, like, I had a bunch of little, like, cars that I would pretend to race and stuff, and then I would just, like, crash them together, like Mm -hmm. the Blues Brothers or whatever. Um, so, I remember watching it at a very young age, and watching it, you know, over and over and over again through the years, um, but I will say that I didn't really understand how amazing this movie was until probably i was in college yeah oh yeah like i didn't recognize who any of the people were like as musicians until i was in college and really like put my head in a book and was like oh that guy in the movie, that's Ray Charles. Like, I knew who Ray Charles was, and I knew who Aretha Franklin were, of course, you know. Yeah. Like, I knew who these people were, and I recognized James Brown watching it as a kid, because when we were kids, James Brown was really big. Like, he had this, like, he did the Super Bowl one year, like, when we were younger, and I remember him, and I remember him being in this film, like, oh, those people are big. But none of the other people in this film were, like oh, yeah, that's this person and that's this person. Like, I just didn't associate the face to the voice or whatever until I got to um, college and was like, oh, fuck. Like, every famous person ever is in this film. And all of these people, like, they're all friends or whatever. They all know each other. Like, I didn't recognize any of them. So, yeah, that's my memory, basically. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I do remember watching the Cab Calloway scene... With my grandpa though, like, because we had a um, we had a dog when I was growing up, um, a wiener dog named Minnie, mm-hmm. and well, I named her Minnie because Minnie Mouse, because I was a fucking kid, right? <laughs> so my grandpa or my dog loved my grandpa and uh she would run every time we would go over to his house she would like run up into his arms and sit in his lap and just like hang out all the time and he would always call her Minnie the moocher and i like didn't get it And yeah. he showed me the um the song once like he pulled out a cd that had the song on it and i was like oh i know that song that song's in a movie and i like, couldn't remember it and my Parents had to tell him what movie, and he was like, "Oh, this thing!" and he like pulls out a copy of the Blues Brothers, and we like fast forward it to the end and watch the fucking scene. I was like, "That's why you call her Minnie the Moocher." (laughs) (laughs)
1: It
0: was like like a whole epiphany, like why you call my dog that. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Yeah, (laughs) I fucking love that song. Mm -hmm. Oh man. Um, All right, seven word synopsis.
1: So many cop cars got fucked up.
0: Nice. Mine is, we're on a mission from God, Rawhide.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. I like that.
0: I needed another another word. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Time for Blues Brothers 2000.
1: Oh, we didn't do the budget.
0: Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. My bad. This movie came out June 20th, 1980 was rated R, runs for 2 hours and 13 minutes, and f- was running against episode 5. What do you think the budget was for this film?
1: I'm going to say 27. 28? 27, 28.
0: Very nice. Okay. The actual budget for this film, $30 million. Good lord. <laughs> well, remember that cocaine was no. part of the budget. <laughs> I had a couple more million in cocaine just for John Belushi. All right, what do you think the box office did?
1: I'm gonna say 45.
0: That is very, very modest. So this movie made 115.2 million. That's awesome. Okay, so that is the facts, the box office thing that I could find online. I don't think that's an accurate total.
1: No, it's probably um, accrued more than that. No, 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 by no. no.
0: So I don't think that's an accurate total from when it came out. Because what I read about when it came out, I read something that said when it came out it was basically a flop. like it barely, like it made its money back and just a little bit more in the US. It made like 40,000 or, or 40 million or something like that in the US.
1: Oh yeah. and,
0: and then it didn't do what like in the US. and then when it went international it blew up um, and got really big and then became like a cult classic. and that's kind of where the money came from. But the only box office figure that I could find, like anything that said anything regards to money, was the one fifteen point two million um, mark. So I don't know if what's true. I don't know which one is true. It I wasn't probably aware. makes
1: sense. I mean, there's certain series of movies that do way better internationally, like Terminator movies. That's why they stay in business. Well, in, yeah, but in the, America, you know, they make. Like- well, yeah,
0: but the one fifteen point two million makes sense that it would make that would that it would have made that much money by now. Like yeah. it's 2020, that movie's been around for 40 years, Jesus Christ. This June celebrating its 40th anniversary. Oh wow. <laughs> um and everyone loves this movie. Like I don't know any well, that's not true. I barely know anyone who hasn't seen this film and doesn't absolutely love this film. Like I feel like that 115.2 million is from people in America, at least, like, who have watched it. Like, that's enough money, just American views, yeah. not even overseas. So, I don't know. I mean, it might be including the overseas budget, but then it seems small. You like, know. 115 seems small, because it's a good-ass movie, so I don't know.
1: Yeah.
0: Anything else about regular Blues Brothers?
1: Uh, No, it's amazing. Go watch it.
0: Go watch it. It is great. It's long. It is rated R. Probably don't watch it with your kids. There's a lot of cursing and i don't know shit talking on cops i guess <laughs> i don't really know why it's rated r there's not any boobies or dicks it's just no it's just cussing
1: that's weird that's there's a...
0: violence carrie fisher does have like a machine gun in a but no one gets like
1: murdered It's a lot of explosions and firing guns but no one like die dies
0: no i think it's just language yeah it's, on- it's honestly just language um but yeah if you don't have a problem with your kids hearing bad language Watch it with your kids. They'll enjoy it. There's really good music. There's fun stuff to dance to. There's car flips and car chases and explosions, and it's pretty great.
1: Yeah, they'll laugh about something.
0: Yeah. All right, on to Blues Brothers 2000. Okay, so Blues Brothers 2000 takes place after the events of original Blues Brothers. So the original Blues Brothers ends 1980. They both get put in jail, um... And at the beginning of Blues Brothers 2000, Elwood Blues is being released from prison from his 18-year sentence. Um, He comes out of the jail. He's waiting at the curb for Jake to pick him up. Mm-hmm. And he waits and he waits and he waits and Jake never pops up. And eventually, like middle of the night or the next day, I can't remember. Next day, I think. Yeah,
1: he's, he's out there for like a, almost a whole day.
0: Yeah, so the next morning, uh, like the... The head guy the of the warden. prisoner. The so fun warden. fact,
1: real quick. Uh, it's Frank Oz. So in the first yeah. movie, he was the corrections guy that gives you back your shit. And apparently in these 18 years, he, he upgraded up to the to warden. warden. Yeah. yeah.
0: So the so the warden um, of the prison goes out of the gates and goes and talks to him and has to tell Elwood that Jake passed away. Like, Jake's not coming to pick you up. Jake is gone. Jake is dead. And it's like a really, really heartbreaking beginning of the movie because John Belushi had died in between the two movies and it's just like you feel the pain like Dan Aykroyd doesn't really show it in this film like because his character Elwood is very good about not like breaking down about it he's very like he's Elwood about it yeah um (laughs) but but yeah so right off the bat this movie is like punch you in the gut feels because you're like, damn, John Belushi did die and this is not, this movie is not going to be the same without him and you feel that immediately. So, he's waiting out there, he's sad and then this random girl shows up in a fucking like Corvette or whatever to pick him up who ends up being a dancer who works for Willie who is the drummer for the Blues Brothers band. Yeah. So she picks him up, she takes him into Chicago and... Basically drops him off where he asks her to drop him off. And he goes about his day. Um, he goes to the church. Yeah. Goes and sees Mother Superior. Finds out that... Um, At
1: some point, the orphanage, it, you know, flopped.
0: No, the orphanage was still
1: around. Oh, I, I thought they got a bigger spot or something.
0: I don't know, because the kid was from the orphanage.
1: Yeah. The orphanage thought-
0: was still around. But he he finds out when he goes there, like she says, you know, sorry about Elwood. But he finds out that Curtis had also passed away. Yeah. Um. So Cab Calloway's character, who also died in between these two films, though to be fair, Cab Calloway died because he was old as fuck. Yeah, he was. And John Belushi died because he was just On he drugs. overdosed. So um, he finds out that Cab Calloway's character Curtis had died. And at the same time, Mother Superior tells him that Cab Calloway had a, or Curtis's character, had a son from a love affair that, you know, Curtis knew about, but wasn't a part of the kid's life.
1: You remember his name?
0: Uh, Cab something.
1: Uh, Cab. Cable.
0: Cable. Yeah, but they call him Cab. Because...
1: Cable Chamberlain. Yeah. <laughs> but they C- call him Cab.
0: Yeah. Um. So he has a son that, um, that wasn't didn't know about him basically he had been raised by his mom and his stepdad or his what he thought was his dad his dad yeah um because his mom had never told her told Cable. Him. yeah sorry <laughs> too many people told had told cable about uh the affair with cab calloway's character so uh elwood decides that he's gonna go find this guy and so
1: technically brothers technically
0: he's- brothers because cab uh Curtis. Because Curtis helped raise Elwood and Jake. So he's like, okay, I'm going to go find him. We're practically, like, we're basically brothers. I'm going to go tell him, you know, about his life. I'm going to tell him about his dad and, you know, see if he can help me. See if he wants to start the band up. Do this, you know, do this whole thing. And he finds out, he goes on this journey to go find him. And he finds out that his brother, Cable, is actually a fucking, like, high up police officer. Like a commander. Like a commander (laughs) of the Chicago Police Department. So that's like end, end of the line, basically. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? So Elwood tells him his story. He asks him, you know, do you want to join the band? Blah, 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 blah. Also, you're basically my brother. I need to borrow money because I need to buy a fucking car. Yeah,
1: 500 bucks. I need, can I borrow
0: $500? <laughs> the guy's like, Are you fucking kidding me? Get the fuck out. And all the while, this kid who Elwood has been forced to kind of babysit by Mother Superior. Yeah, Buster. Buster, has followed him, even though he was trying to, like, shake him, <laughs> had followed him to the police station and ends up, like, pickpocketing the um, Cable's wallet and getting $500 out so they could buy a car. So they go and buy a car. They go see uh, Willie at his dance club. They meet John Goodman's character, who they find out can sing, and Elwood convinces John, um, John's character to... Join the blues brothers now we're at two and a half blues brothers because a little kid (laughs) Uh, and then the mob shows up busts up the whole bar and willie's like well fuck it now i'm part of the band again so willie's (laughs) back in now we got three and a half members of this fucking band and then it's like just you know, same plot, new timeline. They got to go back and find all the other members of the band. They go to in their uh, new jobs.
1: Aretha Franklin's car dealership. They have a Mercedes yeah, dealership they, now. They find
0: Murph and the sax player, and they put them. They uh, get them after Aretha Franklin belts out "Respect," and then <laughs> they go to uh, what a funeral. The trumpet player works for a funeral, yeah, uh, home or a, or a cemetery, something like that, Heck. and. They they pick up all the different members of the band and they wanna put on a show for I don't even know why why are they putting on the show this time? Just because?
1: Uh they just wanna just get back together, honestly.
0: Okay, so this is just, just for like money. shits and gigs. So, oh no, no no
1: No, it was because um the, the the booking agent uh tells him that there's a show in Louisiana for Queen Mousset. Yeah. And it's a big it's a big money, um
0: yeah, but what fries. do they need money for? Just because? Yeah,
1: because he just got out of prison.
0: <laughs> oh, Okay, okay. So yeah, so they go on an adventure. They collect all the band members, and then uh, they're trying to get to this get to these gigs, and their booking agents like booking them all these different different events, and they get down to eventually go to this battle of the bands um, in Louisiana versus with Queen Musette, who's this like voodoo queen who's like. Will fuck your day up if you don't please her. Yeah. And all the while, they're, like, trying to convince uh, Cable to join the band. And he doesn't want to because he's a fucking cop. And he's chasing them, like, throughout the movie <laughs> because they keep fucking shit up. And uh, Dan Aykroyd had all of these, like, felony counts. And he stole the money from his wallet or whatever. Yeah. So, eventually, they come across Reverend Cleophas and... They're listening to the gospel of Reverend Cleophas and getting into the spirit again and the cops roll up and his brother is listening to this and the fucking Holy Spirit hits him like it just just like it did Jake in the first movie and he decides nope. I'm a musician now. Like, fuck it. He, like, flies through the roof and then comes back down dressed like a Blues Brother. And then he's in the band. Yep, we
1: starts singing John the later.
0: And we're officially at three and a half Blues Brothers and the entire Blues Brothers Band. And then we continue on for the rest of the film. And they figure it out. Yeah. Um, the end of the movie, they uh, or the end of the thing, they get to the Battle of the Bands. They perform for... The voodoo queen and she's like, okay, you guys are good enough. You guys can play in the battle of the bands. And then they do this fucking battle of the bands that is against, like, every famous musician.
1: It's like the super band. They got everybody to be in this movie. There's
0: so many fucking famous musicians in this, like, final scene. Like, if you watch this scene, if you haven't watched this movie in a really long time and you just, like, YouTube clip this scene... You will not be able to pick out every single famous person who is standing up on that stage with the super band the first time around. Like, you'll have to watch it and then watch it again because it's insane. It's like 20 people. 22. 22 fucking people. It is insanity. Do you have a list of all of them right now? Yes. Okay, we'll read them off.
1: Okay, uh, Jeff Skunk Baxter played guitar. Gary Bonds was vocals. I remember that name. Eric Clapton, he sang and played guitar. Uh, Clarence Clemens, he did tenor sax Uh Bo Diddley, vocals and guitar. John Faddis on trumpet. Isaac Hayes, he was singing. Vocals. Dr. John was vocals and piano. Uh BB King. He wasn't BB King in the movie. He was uh He had a
0: different name. He was but... like
1: uh the junk car salesman. Yeah. But he's like, I'm selling the place and I'm gonna start I'm gonna
0: a... a blues musician. Yeah,
1: yeah, I'm gonna start a new life. And you're like, Okay, well good luck, buddy. So, B.B. King, he was, like, the lead singer of the song. Let me see. Billy Preston, vocals and synthesizer. Lou Rawls was singing. Mm -hmm. Joshua Redman was on saxophone. Paul Schaefer was on keyboards. Coco Taylor on vocals. Travis Tritt was on guitar. Jimmy Vaughn was on guitar. Grover Washington Jr. was on barry sax. Uh, Steve Winwood was on keyboard. Mm -hmm. Uh, Willie Weeks was on bass guitar. I've heard that name before. It was absurd. They it had like two of everything.
0: Insane. And it
1: was a great song. How blue can you get? Yeah. Probably one of the so best songs.
0: fucking good. So they play the battle of the bands. The mega band goes first, and then the Blues Brothers go. And then they're like, well, they're about to like announce a winner or whatever. And they kind of decide against announcing a winner, and they just like fucking have a jam session and do a final song. All together, and then the movie ends. And yeah, basically, that's it. They get four Blues Brothers, the whole Blues Brothers band is back together, and that's the end of it.
1: At the end, Elwood and Buster, they leave because... um,
0: Oh, yeah, the cops. Because Cab's
1: like, well, they're not going to believe that Elwood didn't kidnap you because he kind of did kidnap you. Because a lot of the cops are chasing Elwood because he kidnapped the kid. He kind of did. Yeah, because
0: the kid was missing. But he didn't really kidnap the kid because the kid ran away. Yeah,
1: but he could have gave the kid back. But he's like, I'm not giving the kid back. So he kind of got himself a son. And uh, Elwood and Buster leave because Buster's like, well, I'm going to kidnap Elwood. So it's fine. And we're going to leave, and they're like, okay, but you're on on a fucking run. So Cab and Mac are like, well, we'll see you guys one day. And then they drive off into the darkness with, like, a hundred cops chasing them. Yeah. And that's the end. They drive off with a smile on their face because they're not catching them. Like, Elwood, he'll flip over something and just be gone. Yeah. And then they'll go off and start another band or come back later. Yeah.
0: Because that's
1: how life works for him. He gets away all the time.
0: Yeah. So, that's the entirety of Blue's Brothers 2000. It is a lot and there's a million people in it, but it is pretty good. Um I will say this was Otis's choice uh to watch this movie and I have not I was not a fan the first time I watched this film. Um because I grew up watching the other one and because it's It's weird. This movie is very different from the first one, but also very much the same. Yeah,
1: it's it at this point, a lot of the singers were fine with it. At this point, Aretha Franklin was fine with lip syncing because yeah. she was older and just like, okay, I'm I'm a little too old to be out here doing this. Like, fuck this, let's lip sync this and yeah. get this out the way. I can go home. Yeah. But um, some of the scenes, they it was live and you couldn't stop it. Like that song at the end, that oh, yeah. was live. It was as way fuck. too many people. Yeah, way it, too many people so to hard. get into a studio and record all. But that no, shit. like I get what you're saying. It's like it was different, but it was the same. A bit hokey. Some of the band members can't act, but it's it's fine. They're not there for acting and stuff.
0: Well, so I feel like watching it now, or like when I watched it the first time a long time ago, when it originally came out, I feel like a lot of people, myself included, didn't really give it a fighting chance because john belushi wasn't in it yes yeah,
1: a lot of people didn't give and it a and i time. i feel
0: like i mean it's still like that like if you ask people about blues brothers 2000 they're like oh that was trash and i'm like well when was the last time you watched it like is it actual trash or are you just saying that because the sting of john belushi not being there hurts the movie and it's not it's not going to be the same any sequel like they could have done this sequel with John Belushi and it wouldn't have been the same it wouldn't have been as good as the first one because sequels are almost never as good as the first one you know. but i think the fact that he wasn't in it was a big problem or at least a big reason why people didn't like it and i think that's why i didn't like it as yeah a lot of people oh, didn't want to give it a shot like it, honestly um i watched i remember watching it when it around the time when it came out but I didn't wasn't really a big fan of it. Um watching it this time though, it's definitely grown on me. It's better. Like I haven't watched it enough to have any of these songs memorized. Um like aside from respect. Like <laughs> like the one song that is very clearly like a pop hit in the sh- in the movie. That's it. I, I don't know any of the rest of the songs like by heart. but Some
1: damn good songs in this movie. <laughs>
0: yeah. But it's good. I liked it. The soundtrack was good. And again, it had fucking everybody in it. Alright, fun facts?
1: Fun facts. So Dan Aykroyd and John Goodman, they worked on a film without pay to keep the budget down.
0: Wow. Because
1: apparently it was getting kind of out of hand.
0: Well, yeah, for the fucking 700 billion fucking people in it.
1: So, um, the numbers might be off, uh, but apparently, uh, Cab, Cable, he mentions, uh, the Blues Brothers caused, like, some amount, millions, million dollar worth of damages. Apparently that was the budget of the first movie. They had him just say it.
0: 18 million, 17 million, no, 30 million. $30 million in damages.
1: And so that's where they got that number from. And then uh, apparently they wrecked 104 cars in this movie.
0: Oh, less than the first one.
1: Okay, maybe the numbers are off because apparently it was supposed to be one more than the first movie. And that was the record for a while.
0: No, 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 I did read that. So it was 103. Fuck, let me find it. Go to a next, the next one fact, I'll find that. Okay, well, I'll find that,
1: um, well that record stood for a while until Matrix, Matrix Reloaded came out when they wrecked like 300 cars on that freeway scene. And then G.I. Joe has a ton okay, of cars okay. wrecked.
0: Here it is. So, a world record 103 cars were wrecked during the filming of Blues Brothers 1. Uh, the movie The Junkman in 1982 broke that record And wrecked 150 cars in an airplane. That record was held for two decades by the Junkman until over 300 cars were wrecked during the filming of Matrix Reloaded in 2003. So, Blues Brothers 2000 tried but didn't come, they fell short of the Junkman by like 40 but, Six if, but if you want to be
1: like specific it did beat the first movie
0: yes it did beat the first one yeah, by one,
1: but not record wise but yeah matrix reloaded that seems amazing on the freeway they fucked up so many cars in that yeah Whew. uh like I, I brought up earlier frank oz he was a warden in this movie he was a corrections officer in the first one so
0: promotion that was a
1: pretty cool showing of time going by 18 yeah. years So, this movie was rated number four in Entertainment Weekly's worst sequels ever made in 2008. (laughs) A lot of people did not like this when it came out. Uh, Macaulay Culkin was considered for Buster's part back in the day. And then that's kind of it.
0: Macaulay Culkin as Buster in 1998.
1: Ooh, Should have been youngish, right? He's too old.
0: In 1998, he would have been too old. Because he was 12 in Home Alone 2. In 1992. Oh, yeah. So he would have been 18. I mean, I guess I wouldn't have been so old.
1: Not terrible.
0: Not terrible, but also not great. And Macaulay Culkin was done acting at that point. He yeah. when he was 14, so.
1: Yeah, he was looking kind of rough.
0: Yeah. That was something that I noted that we talked about while we watched the film. Like, that kid that's in the film, the, the youngest blues brother. Three ninjas, man. He looked really fucking familiar. Like I had seen him in a bunch of shit, but I looked up his actual thing and I have the only movie I've seen him in was that three ninjas.
1: Kickback. Kickback. The Back, second one. The yeah. second one. It was Tum Tum.
0: And I don't remember that film. Like I, I love barely the second one. I barely remember that film. So I don't know why I remember that kid's yeah, film.
1: They go to Japan and they beat up ninjas. Yes, it's I know. great.
0: know. And Rocky falls in love. I remember.
1: Yeah, and they get the those cool masks, those kabuki masks. I know. Oh, it's a so fucking. I remember.
0: I kind like. I remember the the concept of the movie. I just don't remember really anything that happened or who the kids were. So I. It's weird to me that that kid's face is just like, I don't know.
1: Remember, they're at a baseball game at the beginning, and they get into a fight, and Tom Tom's like scramble, and they just start just scrapping. Oh, yeah. it's so good. Three Ninjas. That we're gonna watch Three Ninjas at some point and review them because I love Three Ninjas. I'm
0: down. We can the,
1: watch that, We can watch a shitty one with Hulk Hogan in it. The first one? No, he's like in the third, the third or fourth one? one. We're not watching any Probably of those. Knew Mega the Mountain. first one,
0: and the second one. Do you know that first one was written by a Fresno State professor?
1: Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, Drama Sixty Two.
1: He had a thing for little kids beating up grown ass men. <laughs> Cause they were fucking some dudes yeah. up in that movie.
0: Yeah. Originally written by Ed Emanuel. That's awesome. Yeah, my drama teacher.
1: <laughs> Jesus, where do you got that idea from?
0: I don't know, but it's fucking cool. I, mean, I love it's that cool. movie as a kid.
1: I liked it as a kid. I was like, man, these kids are beating up these grown ass. I women. wanted to be one of those ninjas so bad. I wanted to so be a bad.
0: fucking ninja so bad. But I was too lazy and broke to play to do karate. So yeah, karate's expensive.
1: Aya, aya. All I do just kick, kicking balls. Aya.
0: It could be you don't really say "I yeah." <laughs> All right. Uh, any more fun facts? That's it. Okay. Uh, who is your favorite character?
1: Uh, that's tough in this one. Um, but like always, when I say when I watch it, it always changes. But uh, I think in this one, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Elwood. He was he was a rock. It, like a lot of things were changing. And a lot of people are kind of salty about that, but he was like the one thing that he didn't really change how he acted from the first movie. He was mm-hmm. still like emotionless about things and was down to steal shit. He was always putting shit in his jacket if you were watching him in the movie. Um, really smart. Always had a, a, a getaway item or something like when yeah. you threw out, out the thumbtacks and then that car just flipped for no reason. Yeah. Uh, still amazing at driving. Like, yeah, I'm going to go with Elwood.
0: Nice. So I'm torn um, between the little kid. um, I like Buster. uh, Buster, because he he for most of the like the first half of the movie, he's very silent and like very Elwood-esque. Like he doesn't really talk. He's not sharing his feelings. Not saying what his plans are and whatever. But as the Blues Brothers continue to grow members and like get bigger and bigger and bigger and he starts to finally feel like he's part of a family or something and really gets into it like helping save the day and helping do all these things and that's really cool in this I mean he just plays
1: harmonica. Yeah, like, he's like really good at it. That was
0: actually kind of really annoying like <laughs> there's no fucking way this little kid just busts out harmonica like that but um but I like that and he is tied it's like him and the rest of the Blues Brothers band. Like, oh, I love those guys. The band in the second movie is fucking comedic gold. Every fucking time Elwood fucks up, they are there with just, like, an office-esque, like, look to the camera. Like, are you fucking kidding me?
1: <laughs> I love when they're at the diner and Elwood, like, covers his face in, like, shaving cream. He's
0: like, he's having an attack.
1: It's highly his... contagious and he comes out spitting out and shit. All the...
0: The band is just like, eh, fuck it, it's just another day. Like,
1: all right, they, they keep they just eating. ignore him, right? They and the cops are it. like, uh, whose car is that out there? And he's like, ah, fuck, it's not my car. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then Bob, he's like, he's he owns the restaurant. He's like, hey, have I don't seen you? I know you guys. He's like, check, please. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, well, I have to leave now.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, the band was great. They're like, their banter and stuff in the film was fucking great. And yeah. I liked that they had a little more stuff to do in this film, like um, acting-wise rather than just being random background and playing yeah. instruments like in the first one because they didn't have a lot of lines in the first movie. Okay, what about least favorite character?
1: Oh, that sucks. Um I can't even say cops this time because Cab, even though he was the bad guy for a while, he got cool. And even when he was the bad guy, he was pretty cool at it. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the Russians, because...
0: Look at you picking a bad guy.
1: Yeah, like, the Russians were... They were just kind of there. They weren't as good as the Nazis in the first one. And then we get Daryl Hammond, like, being a supremacist, like, three-fourths of the way in. And he's way better bad guy than the Russians were. I was like, damn, I wish it was Daryl Hammond at the beginning. Like
0: He was a bad guy for, like, 2.5 seconds.
1: Yeah. I wish they switched and it wasn't Russians, but they were like... White um, right, yeah. su- white supremacists were like messing with the 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 club yeah. or something like that, and then Daryl Hammond you know gets revenge. The whole movie that'd have been way better than Russians.
0: Yeah. So my least favorite character is the female cop.
1: Yeah, I thought I something was gonna happen with her, but did nothing. Did not like her. Character nothing came at of
0: all. it. Um, from the very start. Uh, of the film, like, her very first scene. She comes in um, to ask questions of Cable and is like, oh, who's that guy? And he's like, "Uh, you know, he's Elwood, whatever. And she's just, like, super clingy to Cable and weird about it. And it felt almost, like, sexual. There was, like, a weird... I don't know. I did not like the way that her character was written. It, it
1: made it seem like there was something was going to come of it.
0: Yeah, like there but was a relationship really... there or whatever. Yeah. But it also felt like she was pining for him. Somehow, she was pining for him and he was just like, no, fuck it. And the whole time, the whole movie, she was just like up his ass. Like everything that he did, she had to be right there for what? Like, why were you there? Why are you involved in this? This doesn't concern you. And it was just like, she was overly involved in what was happening. And it was annoying. Also, you find out at the very end in the fucking credits that she can actually sing. Yeah. And they didn't use her at all. Like, girl had a legitimate recording career in the 80s. Yeah, I
1: that's what I'm saying. It seems and like they
0: didn't something should have came of it. She didn't get to sing any like songs or anything. And I was like, "What the fuck? Like she could have been an asset. Like why didn't you use her?" Um, but her character was just annoying and I didn't like it. Yeah. Especially because after the revival, the the Baptist revival thing when Cable Gets the music basically, gets the music in him and decides to become a blues brother. She continues to chase.
1: Actually, no. The blues brother. Those those cops were fine with it. It's like the FBI led cops were like, he kidnapped a, a kid. Oh yeah yeah, yeah 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 yeah. Those okay, cops yeah. were fine I with it. Yeah. Because they're was, like, are you all right? And he's like, yeah, no, we're, we're fine. And they're like, okay. Oh yeah yeah. But she she was, was cool with it. She
0: was annoying. I didn't like her character. Yeah.
1: All.
0: She's my least favorite. Do you have a least favorite song?
1: Uh in this one it's a little bit easier to look for one. Um probably what, Ghost Riders in the Sky. I like everything around <laughs> it. Everything around the situation was really cool, like how they were in the flaming car. That's how they got to the stage and it is like screaming. Yeah. Um but out of that, all the other songs are way better than that. Oh really? Yeah. I can't think of any other song that I'd be like, well, no, I liked Respect, even though it was lip synky. I still liked it. No? I'm going to go with that. I'm probably Ghost Riders in the Sky.
0: Okay. I don't <laughs> like, I don't know the name of the song, the first song that Cable sings.
1: From I think when, it... when they're in the band? when At the end? Because that's Love Light.
0: <sighs> yes? Question mark? So,
1: at, so after the big band went, their song they did? I think so. That's Love Light. I think so. Which one are you thinking of?
0: It's either that one or the church one where he like gets the music. Oh, they did
1: sing a song before that, uh, for the tryout because, um, they were talking to Erica Badu, and they were like, "Yeah, we don't do uh reggae. That's the one thing we don't do." And then she like we can
0: do Caribbean.
1: Yeah, and then yeah. she like froze them and listen, turned them all weird. Calypso. And then they sang the song Naso Nasso, yeah. Nasso gon' funky, Nasso so. Oh soul.
0: yeah, and that was that was that was him mostly, right?
1: Mostly uh, yeah. him singing it. For a little bit, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, that's the one I don't like. Oh, that's such a good song. <laughs> no. I don't like his voice, weirdly. Like, he can sing, and I'm not saying he can't sing because he can sing. I just don't really like yeah. his voice. The t- Like, something about it is just like, maybe it's the style that they were singing, or, yeah. or just the song that they chose for him to sing that I didn't like. I don't know what it was, but that song... Was annoying. And also, how are you going to put Erica Badu in a movie and not have her sing?
1: She sang a little bit in that song, but I get what you're saying. She should have had her own song.
0: Yeah. She should have done Bag Lady, (laughs) because.
1: But she did sing in the Nasso song, Funky Nasso.
0: Oh, okay. All right. So I do have a question. So, from regular musicals.
1: Wait, do we do favorite song?
0: Yeah. Didn't we? What's your favorite song? It's going to be the end song.
1: Yeah. Um <clears throat> very
0: loud la- the super band one, right?
1: Well no, the whole competition. I like their song, How All Blue Can You Get, and Love Light.
0: All three songs?
1: Yeah. Like just that the whole the last twenty minutes of this movie is like fucking great.
0: Oh, reminds me of the very last song, the super band Oh uh with both bands.
1: Down in Mississippi. Is that the name of it? I said hey, hey, yeah, hey, hey, yeah.
0: Yeah. Hey yeah, that That's one. a good song, too. That's my favorite song of this whole movie. The song
1: went on for like an hour. <laughs>
0: Sorry, I didn't realize I skipped that one. I did favorite. That's weird. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so favorite song, least favorite song. Okay, so for regular musicals, I do uh, how it compares to the stage version. But for this one, because there is no stage version and there isn't no a stage version of the other movie, I'm going to say, how does this compare to Blues Brothers 1 for you?
1: Um, It's for sure they realized for the second one that. More cameos of musicians that's what people really like, so they had the you know the Louisiana Gator Boys be this super duper freaky giant group of just beautiful, and that was really cool. I wish there was more to that, um, but he, all the cameos you know that that's the best part of it. People get to see James Brown singing again. It's like holy shit, that's awesome. Like you know you don't really get to see him, you know he does his performances and he goes home, but we got him in a movie doing it. That's really cool. Um, I think for sure that's what they understood that people really like. The jokes are going to come because they're funny people, but just the cameos, they for sure understood that people really like the cameos. Yeah. It's the only thing I can really think of.
0: Yeah, I so I think that this movie um, suffers from... The same thing that most sequels suffer from in trying to be yeah, exactly the same well not every not all sequels comedic sequels oh yeah comedic sequels tend to take whatever the formula was for the first one and redo it Change like they change the main plot point like whatever so in the first one it was the orphanage this one is just make money And then everything else is the same. Like, we got to get the band back together. We got to go on this crazy road trip. We got to have the cops following us. We got to have a big car scene. We got to have do all this. Comedies as a whole, the whole genre of comedies are not good at sequels. No. Zoolander 2, not as good as the first one. Anger Man 2, not as good as the first
1: one. But you know what the problem is? They wait... Like, 18 years in between.
0: Yes. And then that they try to crack pro- out another that is one. a big problem. For some
1: reason, they don't comedies think about it.
0: do not... Yeah. Comedies don't come out in any type of, like, quickness so that it makes any sense. Yeah,
1: every other genre will do that. They'll poop out another one a year and a half later. But comedies are like, nah, I'll see you guys in two decades.
0: Yeah. So this film definitely suffers from that. Um, trying to be simple well, trying to recreate the formula, or yeah. Recreate trying to get that magic the back. First one, trying to get the magic back, and this movie had to try extra hard because they were missing one of the original Blues Brothers. Yeah. Like, not only did they have the fact that it was a comedic sequel, like to its detriment, it also had no John Belushi, so there was just like double people hating on it. And if this movie had come out, if you had shifted all of, the whole Blues Brothers thing 20 years, and this movie had come out this year, Blues Brothers 2020, everyone on the internet would be shitting on it. Like, how dare you make a movie without John Belushi? How dare this? Like,
1: Oh, yeah.
0: The internet was not really a huge thing in 1998, but if that shit was 2018 or whatever, like would have had a fucking field day like
1: yeah that's as true. soon as
0: production was announced people would have tore that shit apart like how fucking dare you we wouldn't do that it'd be like making a tommy boy 2 with just david spade mm. and everyone would be like how the fuck dare you yeah basically mm. like <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it'd be horrible and no one would like people would rip it apart And this film definitely suffered from that as much as it could have in 1998 pre-social media. Um, I think it does a good job, like Otis said, with the cameos. They did do, make some really good choices with cameos. They chose people who were huge in music, who had had a lot of them in that super band at the end had had singles, um come out like within a couple of years of this movie coming out like Eric Clapton had had a couple of songs like in 1994 or something like that and James Brown was gonna be had either just been in or was about to be in the Super Bowl like he did a Super Bowl at some point really close to that and um, I mean Aretha Franklin never goes out of style like yeah <laughs>
1: um,
0: they also had uh, Johnny Lang was in this oh, movie yeah, yeah, yeah. who was a huge deal uh, who people don't remember being like, people now don't remember who Johnny Lang was. But when this movie originally came out, and I was we were kids, Johnny Lang was a huge deal, musically, because the kid was essentially B.B. King, like, old and soulful, but was 17 and white. Like, the kid just blew everyone away. I he was just fucking amazing at guitar, amazing at the blues, had this incredibly soulful voice that, like, doesn't make any sense for what he looks like. He looks like the fourth brother of Hanson. Like, yeah, <laughs> just the fourth member of Hanson, but he sounds like B.B. King. And it doesn't make any goddamn sense, so he was a huge deal at the time. Like, it was a big deal that he was in it. And, yeah, I don't know. This film... Is not as good as the first one yeah. for sure. But it's not as bad as everyone wants to say that it is. Yeah. Watching it again, it's definitely better than like everyone thinks that it is or everyone
1: claims that it is. Yeah, musical wise it's damn good.
0: If you hated it in 1998 or 99 or 2000 and you only saw it the one time and hated it, go back and watch it again and just give it a shot. Like a realistic shot. I think that the booze Bruce- the original Blues Brothers holds a very special place in a lot of people's hearts, and the second one is hard because of that, like, gets a lot of hate because of that. But I think that if you give this movie another shot, you'll be surprised. To have yeah. Action, like, just watch it with open eyes, or, like, clear eyes, and it's actually really, really good. What about memories? You said you watched this a bunch as a kid.
1: Um yeah honestly it was kind of to the point I just love this movie I just remember the the last song with the super band for sure like I said the last 20 minutes of this movie it was like the coolest part I just just remember watching that all the time
0: yeah I watched this movie when it originally came out um, and I was really really excited that they had added a kid um, because you know I was a kid at the time and he was cute you know I was like 11 or 12 and no, yeah, 11. And he would have been, you know, right around my age. And I'm like, oh, cute kid, whatever. And was excited about it because he, he was a cute boy or whatever. And then was disappointed in the fact that he didn't really sing too much in the film. Like, I don't know, he was touted on the cover and stuff as being a blues brother. And because I had loved the first one so much, I was like, oh, great. He's going to do like some singing and dancing or he's going to play an instrument or something. And he sang, like, two lines and then had, like, this weird harmonica solo. And I was like, meh. Yeah. <laughs> Disappoint, I guess. <laughs> but it's all right. All right. Seven word synopsis.
1: Uh, I love that goddamn super band.
0: <laughs> uh, that's fucking funny. I like that. <laughs> uh, mine said. <clears throat> mine is. More cameos. More money, no John Belushi. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> That is the most realist fucking synopsis of this film. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was good, but not the same. So. Alright, any closing... Rem- or no, sorry. Budget and stuff.
1: Yeah. So this movie came out February 6th, 1998. Uh, what do you think the budget for this movie was?
0: Hmm. There was a lot of fucking people in it. Hmm. 50 million.
1: 31 million. Wow. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, because you already said fucking John Goodman and Dan Aykroyd didn't take any money for this. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> to keep it, keep it God small, damn it.
1: it'd probably have been around 50 if they took money. So, what do you think it damn made it. box office wise?
0: 31 million. Fuck. 40 million. I'm going to go with nobody fucking saw this film.
1: 14.1 million.
0: 14. 14-
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This movie did not do good.
0: Oh, my God. Because everybody
1: was... I guess everybody was salty that they were doing another one.
0: Without John Belushi, yeah. yeah.
1: It sucks, because it's, it's same. good. It, it's, it's the same. It's good enough to make its money back. It should have been good enough to make its money back. But people were really salty about it. Yeah.
0: I mean... Everyone I know that loves the Blues Brothers hates this movie. Yeah. So, it, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't add a kid where kids don't belong is the sentiment in most people that I've talked to about this film. It's like, why the fuck did they add a kid? This movie is rated, the original is rated R and is some serious shit going on, and why is there a child?
1: Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, there's more to it. They just, just add a kid just. Like, you know, how sitcoms add a kid when ratings go down, because people like little kids, I guess. It's not like that. you know. I guess. Gets himself a son or a new brother, honestly. I don't know if he thinks of him as a son, but.
0: Yeah, two new brothers. He gets two new brothers and a son in this fucking film.
1: It's nice. get to see different type of Elwood.
0: Yeah. And he gets a happy-ish ending.
1: Yeah. I mean, they own a run. That's just par for the course. (laughs) He's always running from the cops. But yeah, it didn't do good. (laughs) No, not at
0: all. Jesus, that is so low. 14 million. Yeah. (laughs) Holy crap. That's like what Jeff Bezos makes in like 30 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's insane. Yeah. Uh, Okay, anything else about these two movies? We've been talking forever, but there's a lot to unpack in the two films together. And comparing them and stuff. So. No,
1: uh, give them a shot. They're, they're really good. there will be something that you laugh at. They're, cause they're silly. Oh,
0: yeah, definitely. The first one's fucking hilarious. And the second one has its funny moments. Like, it's pretty good. And the music is great. And there's tons of cameos, so. Yeah, give it a Check shot, Check it, it out. All right. Um, so thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to follow us at AllentownPod on Twitter. If you have questions or comments uh, that you can't fit on Twitter, feel free to email us at AllentownPresents at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. We are the Allentown Network, right? No, it's just Allentown Presents. Allentown Presents on Facebook. We've got a couple other podcasts who also have individual Facebook pages. We've got 20 Minutes at the Bar. We've got Mr. Sparkle Power Hour. And you can find us wherever podcasts can be found, like we are everywhere. Mm -hmm. Please like, subscribe, share, do your thing, tell all your friends, listen to us rant about musicals and horror movies and all sorts of other stuff. Um, Yeah. Stay safe. Stay indoors. Wash your hands. Protect yourself and wash your hands and your ass. Yep. (laughs)
1: I'm going to (laughs) keep saying that. I like that wash your hands wash your ass yeah <laughs> wash
0: your hands wash your ass yeah be safe do not go visit your elderly family members just video chat with them or call them on the phone check in with them yes do not go physically see them all right like <laughs> keep your family members safe
1: mm-hmm.
0: keep the curve down
1: Right. all
0: right <laughs> love you all okay see you next time see you guys bye bye